A federal judge has said that the White House and the Biden administration likely violated the First Amendment during the COVID-19 pandemic. And as usual, with the Biden administration and drag queens and deadbeats and all the things, dignity is dead at Biden's White House. We're going to be talking a little bit about the headlines and why we can still be at peace in the world around us. Stick around. I think you're going to be encouraged. Well, I hope you guys had a great 4th of July. We had a really awesome time as a family this 4th of July. Something really exciting happened here uh, over the last couple of days, and that is my assistant. Many of you guys are familiar with my assistant, Melissa Crabtree. She's worked for me for over a decade, and over this past weekend, she and her family relocated here to Vancouver, Washington to become full-time a part of the ministry here. So we're very excited to have Melissa and her husband, Robert, and their daughter here in Vancouver. And they got to celebrate the 4th of July with us. An incredible time for just giving thanks, really, for what the Lord is doing. So welcome, Melissa and Robert, to the Pacific Northwest. We're so glad that you're here. And you guys are going to be hearing more about this in the days to come. But that was a really exciting time. Also, you know, I'm just a, a super fan, as you guys know, of this country that I love so much. And it was very much an encouraging time just to see people out with their red, white, and blue. The pride, the sin of pride flags are not flying uh, all across the great state of Washington right now. They are being replaced by the American flag, not everywhere, but most places. And so that's always encouraging to me. On the morning of the 4th of July, I went into our local grocery store. You know, we were picking up the usual things, you know, watermelon and, and things like that. And every single person, and there were a lot of people in the grocery store, every single person that I saw, they were wearing patriotic shirts. They had their little flags. They were wearing their funny sunglasses with American flags on them. And this idea that the left has been promoting for so many generations now that this country is not worth celebrating, uh, the American people disagree by and large. So, and I realize there are a lot of people in the United States that would like to see us be a communist country and they're worshiping at the altar of, of, uh, of Mao and Lenin. <laughs> but guess what? Uh, the patriotism is alive and well in the United States. And I saw a couple of headlines over the weekend that I thought were just fascinating enough to talk to you about. The first one was a tweet. I don't know if you saw this, but Ben and Jerry's, which everyone knows, you know, if you ever, if you ever want to buy leftist ice cream, buy Ben and Jerry's. These guys hate the United States even though they're making a gazillion dollars here. And they tweeted the most ridiculous thing I have seen them uh, put out in quite a while that basically saying, and they did this on the 4th of July, basically saying that the United States is stolen land and they're calling on the American people to return the stolen indigenous land, which I find is pretty funny for a leftist company that makes an awful lot of money on their so-called stolen land. And as you guys can imagine, the backlash on social media was swift and severe. That was actually pretty fun for me to watch, instantaneous even. People calling for a boycott of Ben & Jerry's. Now, if you're Heidi St. John, you boycotted Ben & Jerry's years ago. I haven't bought that ice cream in, I don't know, 100 years or so. I mean, ever since our land was stolen, I stopped buying ice cream from Ben & Jerry's. But it was really kind of funny to watch them get bud lighted on the internet because uh, Catherine Brodsky, for one for one tweet, she said, hey, Ben and Jerry's, that sounds good. Let's start with giving away 
Ben and Jerry's land. Let's do that first. A lot of people just talking about, hey, the virtue signaling of the left, you know, we really mean it, you know, super convicted, but we're going to keep right on doing what we've always been doing because they don't want it to affect them in any way, shape or form. Of course, back in June, Ben and Jerry said they're not going to pay to advertise on Twitter because they say that there's a rise in hate speech there. What they really mean is that there is speech now that's being allowed on the platform that hasn't been allowed for a really long time. And so I think this is another really fascinating look into the mind of the American left, because the reality is pretty clear that the left doesn't want free speech. They do not want free speech. I talked about this last weekend on the show after I gave some analysis of the Supreme Court rulings, particularly the ones that came down on the side of the web designer who said, listen, I don't want to have to be compelled to say anything. What's so interesting about the left is they will compel you to say something, but they also want to put a governor on what you can say. So they want to force you to say things and keep you from saying other things. The left hates free speech. It becomes more and more apparent with every single day. And their reaction to the Biden administration's chastisement by a federal judge on their clamping down of what could and could not be said on social media during the pandemic really shows their disdain for the First Amendment. We have the right to say whatever we want to say in this country. So they, the left reacting, of course, to the bombshell ruling from a federal judge last weekend uh, about the Biden administration's handling of social media companies during the pandemic. This ruling... Uh, limited. Okay, so Ben Shapiro, if you guys aren't following the Daily Wire, that is actually a news source that I trust. I read the Daily Wire quite a bit, almost daily. Uh, Ben Shapiro said that, um, uh, talking about a federal judge showing the left doesn't truly believe in freedom of speech, seeing it only as a tool of power to enforce its dogma. And that's absolutely true. Shapiro made these comments on his Wednesday podcast in response to a ruling that limited communication between the Biden administration and social media companies. The ruling came after the Biden administration was accused of pressuring social media officials to take down or limit the reach of posts that they deemed to be misinformation. Uh, This kind of stuff doesn't bother the left at all, right? So we saw this during the pandemic and I absolutely experienced it firsthand. You know, anytime, and it didn't even matter who it was on my show, if they went against the left's narrative during COVID-19, during the scamdemic, then I was uh, censored. And oftentimes those posts were removed. And I'm having emergency room physicians on my show. I'm having doctors who have had years, if not decades of experience in treating viruses. And they were simply pointing out the unscientific, illogical way that the government was responding to the pandemic. And it was wrong. But this did not play into the Biden administration's narrative. And so they, along with their cohorts at Google and Facebook and uh, YouTube, decided we are the arbiters of truth. We are the ones who get to decide what is right and what is wrong. And so therefore, you can't say X, Y and Z. So if you said, for example, hey, the masks don't work, which they don't. It's like trying to you know, uh, put up a chain link fence and thinking you're going to keep the mosquitoes out of your backyard. It simply isn't going to work. It's not scientific, but the Biden administration and many in the left who were in power during the scamdemic ruled through fear. 
Now, we've talked about this ad nauseum here, so I'm not going to belabor the point today, but I want to remind you, the Bible teaches us very clearly that it is wrong for us to give into fear. We know that God didn't give us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. I love this from Ben Shapiro. He added that many in the left only support free speech if it allows them to gain power. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. I've never called, for example, for the deplatforming of people who explicitly attack me on social media because that's their prerogative. This is the United States. The left recognizes no such prerogative. The left doesn't believe that. The left believes that free speech is merely a tool of power. And so when they control it, free speech is good. And when they don't control it, free speech is very, very bad. This is going to be important for you guys to keep an eye on in the days to come because you need to be at the front lines of saying, no, we stand for the First Amendment. We stand for the right to say whatever's on our mind. We talked about this a little bit last week where I was saying, listen, I may disagree with you but I'm going to defend your right to say what's on your mind. Let the best ideas win. Let the best arguments win the day. And when the left knows they don't have an argument, they try to silence dissent. And this is what's happened over and over and over again. Also, I don't know if you missed this, but Budweiser has been catching some, uh, some heat from people over their 4th of July message. Uh, they put a 60-second ad on the air, it was an F-16 pilot providing a voiceover promoting the partnership between the beer brand and Rooney's education scholarship program, Folds of Honor. It came amid a backlash, of course, against Bud Light, which is owned by the same parent company as Budweiser because of its partnership with the transgender activist Dylan Mulvaney, who, by the way, is a man who is pretending to be a woman. And there are a lot of people on the left who want to play the game. Well, I don't want to play the game because I believe in something called absolute truth. And we are watching now as more and more companies are starting to go, you know, this isn't such a good idea. Maybe this isn't, maybe this is bad for business, pushing out ideas that say that men can be women and women can be men. And they definitely, uh, it's not helping Budweiser at all. I mean, they're trying to put out the most uber patriotic ads uh, known to man. And the American people are like, Nope, sorry, you just built that you just built that thing a little bit too far. That was a bridge too far. We're not gonna we're not gonna cross it. And I actually think Bud Light is done. Uh, they are losing. They're continuing to lose millions and millions and millions of dollars. And uh, I, for one, am happy to see that happen. In other news, and I don't know if you guys saw this, but just yesterday, the uh, the Secret Service came out and said, "Hey, guess what? There's co there's cocaine that's been found." at the White House and the West Wing. You guys, the West Wing. And it's interesting to me to note that, of course, this is circling around 
Hunter Biden, who can do no wrong, forget about Hunter Biden's disgusting laptop and the fact that you can tell that there's a lot of pay to play when President Biden, who was then Vice President Biden, was already calling in favors because of his political standing. This guy is a creep of the highest order. And I, for one, am happy to see more and more truth coming out about the Biden family And the White House, of course, saying and the police are saying they're probably not going to be able to get to the bottom of who brought the cocaine into the White House. By the way, this is an area in the West Wing where guests and staff can be. And you can't tell me you cannot convince me for one single second that that place is not covered every single square inch of it in cameras. But yet we're to believe they're never going to be able to figure out who brought cocaine into the West Wing of the White House. In other news, this is a really great news week, you guys. (laughs) Uh, A federal judge is being applauded for a surprise July 4th ruling stating that the Biden administration likely violated the First Amendment during the COVID-19 pandemic. And this was the best part to me about the 4th of July is to see this guy kind of start to get his comeuppance because he did violate the First Amendment. And for goodness sake, it's nice to see a judge actually notice it. You You can hear the collective sigh of relief as people are going, finally. When is something going to happen to these guys to hold them accountable for the way they've treated the American people during the last three years? So U.S. District Court Chair uh, Terry Dowdy ordered an injunction on Independence Day that would prevent White House officials and federal agencies from meeting with tech companies about social media censorship, arguing that their past actions did indeed violate the Constitution. Former Director of National Intelligence John Ratcliffe said, I think that language reflects that this was a stunning rebuke, but also an appropriate one. So this is what he said on America's Newsroom. The holiday injunction was in response to recent lawsuits from Louisiana and Missouri Attorney Generals. The suit alleges that the White House coerced or significantly encouraged tech companies to suppress free speech during the COVID-19 pandemic. Several federal officials and agencies, including some of Biden's cabinet members and White House Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre, have been barred from contacting social media companies in efforts to suppress speech. So this is kind of an amazing uh, opinion that's coming down from the judge, and it's a rebuke that this guy had coming. And he said, according to, uh, to OutKick founder Travis, he said... This is going to be incredibly difficult for the Biden administration to overturn. Also, it's really going to hurt him in the upcoming elections. People are tired of this. I want to ask you if you've been watching the run of Robert Kennedy for the White House. Of course, he's running as a Democrat. There are a lot of things that I greatly admire about Robert Kennedy. You guys have heard me read The Real Anthony Fauci. I've quoted that book several times over the last several years here at the show And I think he's right on the money when he talks about vaccines and how they have become highly uh, problematic in terms of who's making all of this money. He has a very interesting platform. I don't agree with him. I could never vote for him to be the president simply because I can't stand a lot of his views on moral issues, particularly when it comes to abortion. But he has an interesting, he's giving Joe Biden a very, big run for his money. And normally the Democrats, they pick somebody and they just get behind him. And so follow this race because people have been saying, well, he's a sleeper. He doesn't have a snowball's chance. Mm, I actually disagree because the more stupid things that Joe Biden does, 
the better things are looking for Mr. Kennedy, who has also said that he wants to debate Joe Biden. And Joe, of course, is denying that he wants to do he doesn't need to do any debates. And the reality is Joe Biden can probably not do any debates because he's not all there and everybody knows it. But the reality is, and again, I thought uh, an article over at the Daily Wire entitled Deadbeats, Dime Bags, and Disrobed Drag Queens, Dignity is Dead at Biden's White House, goes back to what I was telling you guys a couple of weeks ago about why I think we should have a litmus test of character for people who run for office. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. So I'm not talking about perfection. We're just talking about basic character. You shouldn't be a person who sleeps around on your spouse. You shouldn't be a person who has been embezzling money or somebody who's known to be a liar or a cheat. And we have allowed that in politics and just made excuses for it, right? We're just like, well, that's just politics. I certainly saw this in my run for Congress, even in the Republican Party. We excuse so much bad behavior in the name of getting someone we want elected. It really is appalling. And uh, we got to do better. We got to do better than that. Many of you saw that Joe Biden had a transgender, you know, during Pride Month, which he made an absolute mockery of God and of human sexuality, talking about transgenderism and everything. And he had a there was a transgender uh, woman who really was a man who had breast implants, who basically took his shirt off right there on the White House lawn. And so when you read a headline that says dignity is dead at Biden's White House, that's absolutely true. Now we know we've got cocaine being snorted in the West Wing of the White House. We know that transgender activists are disrobing on the grounds of the White House. We know that Joe Biden is lying and saying that he's a good Catholic when he promotes abortion up to the moment of birth. This guy is a disaster, and we've got to do better than this in the upcoming elections. Uh, One more thing I want to talk about, and this was kind of my favorite headline of the weekend. I don't know if you guys saw this, but Sarah Huckabee Sanders, who of course is the governor of the great state of Arkansas, has several kids. I want to say she's got three kids that live uh, at the governor's mansion with uh, with their family. And they painted, or not painted, they put um, sidewalk chalk over across the uh, the entrance to the governor's mansion where these children live. And they painted what looks to me to be a stained glass window with the image of a cross inside. And this, of course, infuriates the left because they just don't like, they're so threatened by little kids uh, out there with their sidewalk chalk at the governor's mansion. And so Sarah Huckabee Sanders posts this picture of her children and she put it on her Facebook page. And of course, the, um, she, and she, she titled it, I thought this was so cute, I got to find it. Um, Here we go. The uproar began on Monday after Sanders shared a photograph of her three children standing behind a large image of a cross and stained glass that they colored with sidewalk chalk. Captioning the image, new artwork to welcome people to the governor's mansion, she posted it on her Facebook page. The post provoked a response from Secular Americans United, a nonprofit organization based in Washington, D.C., and they wrote a letter to to, uh, Sanders and said, listen, listen. 
you can't do this. It makes people feel threatened. Listen to what they said, you guys, because it's really funny. Uh, they said that the artwork, her children's artwork, right? So their, their chalk art that has a cross on it. This is what they said about it. It conveys a, quote, impermissible message that those who do not share the favored faith are unwelcome and will be treated differently. Do you can't make this stuff up. I love it. Uh, so they, they talked about this on Twitter, of course. This is what they said. They said, when fighting to defend a church-state separation, we must always reject Christian nationalism. Two days ago, Sarah Huckabee Sanders posted a picture of a Latin cross at the entrance of the governor's mansion. We sent her a letter to explain why this is a problem. Now, this is what I love about this because, uh, because Sarah Huckabee Sanders is not going to back down. She is not afraid of these guys, these leftists who are just bullies and who hate Christianity. Uh, they're atheists. It's not that they don't have a religion. Many of them are just atheists, which is a religion in and of itself. But they went on to say the religious display at the entrance to the governor's mansion violates the establishment clause because it sends a message that the governor's office and by extension, the state of Arkansas favors one religion over another. Such favoritism is unconstitutional, the organization claimed in its letter, and therefore we ask that you remove this display. Now, this is awesome because it gave Sarah Huckabee Sanders an opportunity to show the rest of us what it looks like to stand up for yourself when these guys threaten you, which is what they so often do. So she responded on Twitter and said, Dear Americans United, I have received your letter and my answer is no. I will not erase the beautiful cross my kids drew in chalk on the driveway of the governor's mansion or remove my posts on social media. And I will not now or ever hide that I am a Christian. I will not now or ever hide that I am a Christian saved by Christ, Sanders wrote in a letter to American United. In Arkansas, we stand up to bullying liberals. We don't let you power wash our kids' chalk drawings off our front steps. We won't let you tear down our Christmas decorations and stamp our traditions into the dirt. We don't live our lives in fear of strongly worded letters coming down from Washington. And as of the recording of this podcast, that chalk cross remains intact. And so does the debate about religious expression and the separation of church and state in the public square. We have talked uh, at length here at the show about the separation of church and state and why I believe that most people have a wrong understanding of what that even means. But this was good news on the front of standing up for your right to be able to express your faith in the public square. And Sarah Huckabee Sanders ain't going to take that sitting down. She is now the governor of Arkansas and uh, she just gave those guys the what for. So Sarah Huckabee Sanders, good for you. I'm glad to see it. Well, that's all I've got time for today. I'm going to come back tomorrow and I want to talk a little bit about an article that I wrote several years ago that was titled, Why I Do Not Believe You Can Be a Christian and Pro-Choice. I'm watching as uh, some people on the internet, I saw my friend Jack Hibbs address this the other day. Ali Beth Stuckey, of course, of course, put a tweet out about basically essentially saying the same thing. Many of us who've been talking on this subject have said this over and over again. For some reason, this got the ire of the left. But I want to give you guys a sound apologetic for why it's so vitally important that you understand how God views the sanctity of human life and why I think it's absolutely a fair thing to say that you cannot be pro-choice and still be a follower of Jesus. We, we've got to make sure that we're not just giving lip service 
to the gospel of Jesus Christ, but we're actually living our lives out as followers of Jesus. And I'm going to end on that today. Psalm 46 verse 10 says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted over all the earth. You guys, at the end of the day, uh, politics is going to come and go. The headlines are going to come and go. They change all the time. But the Bible will stand forever. The book of Isaiah tells us that the grass will wither and the flower will fade. And we will, we will all uh, age. And we, you know, if the Lord tarries, every single one of us is going to pass away from the face of the earth. But God's word will stand forever. And the word of God says that we can be still and know that he is God. And he will be exalted. The Bible says, doesn't say he might be. It says he will be exalted among the nations and he will be exalted over all the earth. That is a promise. And when God makes a promise, you can take it to the bank. So even though we hear some of these headlines, and again, I mean, this was some good news to sort of start off uh, the, the heat of the summer season. We've seen some really great rulings come down from the, from the Supreme Court. We're watching Sarah Huckabee Sanders, uh, Sanders stand up for religious freedom and not be bullied by the left. We're watching federal judges rebuke the Biden administration's mishandling of the COVID-19 pandemic and also the stifling of free speech in the United States. So these things are good. But even when we get bad news, and there's, uh, I don't have time today, but boy, there's a lot of bad news happening, particularly in France right now and around uh, the nation as it relates to violence. But the Bible says that we can be still because God's saying this, one of these days, I will be exalted. Remember, um, the Bible says there was, there's coming a day when every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And this is our reality as Christians. We can be still and know that God is always at work and that he is going to have his way. At the end of the day, it is the will of God that will be fulfilled. And we can live in peace knowing that that's true. So it doesn't matter where you live. It doesn't matter what's happening in the news. We can be still and know that he is God. I appreciate you guys so much listening. If you'd like to subscribe to the show, you can hop on over to Spotify and do that. Also, we are going to be jumping back into the book of Revelation at my women's ministry, Faith That Speaks. I taught through the book of Revelation a couple of years ago, and in light of what's happening in the culture today, we're going to go back and do it again. I'm probably going to do it a little bit quicker. It's a three-month study, and uh, I think we'll go through it at a little bit faster pace this time, but you guys can sign up by going to faiththatspeaks.com. And uh, pretty soon, once my, once my girl Melissa gets all unpacked, in her uh, darling little house over there by the Washougal River. Once she gets all unpacked, I'm going to have her come on the show and we're going to talk about how God led her and her beautiful family from Oklahoma to the beautiful Pacific Northwest. You guys, God's at work and I hope you're encouraged today. I know I am. Have a fantastic day and I'll see you back here again at the intersection of faith and culture. <laughs>